Hi, everyone. Welcome to Psyched Combos on Psychology, Relationships, and Personal Growth. This is Nicole. And this is Laura. And today we're going to be talking to you about emotional abuse. So um, we'll just dive right in. Uh, I think a lot of people probably know what emotional abuse is, but I think there can be a lot of confusion around um, exactly what it is and what counts as emotional abuse and what doesn't count as emotional abuse. So we're going to cover some of that today. But first, I think we want to talk about um, what is not emotional abuse, because I think a lot of times people can uh, get this confused and maybe kind of claim that they're being emotionally abused or tell their partner they're being emotional abused, emotionally abused. But um, we want to just kind of clear, clear up some stuff yeah. that definitely does not count as emotional abuse. Right, right. And um, also I want to make another note that um, when we t talk about emotional abuse, it doesn't necessarily only refer to you and a romantic partner or your husband, wife, but it can also um, be talking about like a parent-child relationship or a relationship with a coworker or a boss or pretty much any relationship in your life you can have emotional yeah, abuse a in it. a friendship. Mm -hmm. even a, a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually do have and have had clients who have had uh, uh, emotional abuse in their work environment, um, mm -hmm. really struggled with that. Yeah. So that's, that's a commonplace actually. Right. I think it, it seems more just like whoever you interact with probably more often and who you're really interacting with the most is probably the times where you're going to be more vulnerable to an emotionally abusive relationship. So that's whether that's romantic or not. Right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, what is not emotional abuse? So emotional abuse is not just your everyday random fight or argument. Um, like I right. think you kind of talked about this before, but if you want to go ahead and. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some relationships, um, where there's a lot of fighting and arguing, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's abusive. Um, there could, you know, there can be ways of arguing and fighting uh, that do not um, involve that. Uh, sometimes, depending on the way uh, people argue, that can be a very healthy response in a relationship. And the main thing is that um, respect is maintained between, you know, so there's no like name calling or kind of uh, being. Uh, looking down on the person. Um, so if it's just, you know, you're, you're raising your voices and you're trying to state your opinion, that can be, you know, sometimes uh, how people interact. And then once they're through it, you know, they go back to a normal way of interacting. Right. So. And I also feel like it sounds kind of like when you're fighting with someone, if you're really more just talking and arguing about the specific topic at hand, what the situation is that's going on right in front of you, that seems to be less likely a case for emotional abuse because I think maybe more when you start fighting, but you actually kind of start really talking down about the person and criticizing the person just like who they are instead of what the fight was about to begin with. Maybe right. that kind of starts turning more into that emotional sure. abuse. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, so, uh, all the t um, in all relationships, we get hurt feelings. Maybe somebody says something and we um, take it in 
in a negative way, something about ourselves. Um, but that, but I think that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, just the nature of relationships, uh, we're going to get hurt sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes when we are really honest about what we're feeling, um, that can, you know, maybe the other person uh, gets affected and feels, you know, like that's very hurtful. Um, but it depends on how it's done. And sometimes we're not in agreement or we're at different places in a relationship. So we're feeling differently about the relationship or a particular incident, you know, but everyone comes to the relationship from their own perspective. And I think it's more, what's important is sharing that perspective, trying to clarify uh, with each other where each of you are coming from. And that way, um, you know, it's a, you develop deeper understanding about each other and just because it's a different view or a different perception doesn't make it like an abusive situation. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now we've covered what emotional abuse is not. So we're going to transition and start talking about what it actually is. Um, so emotional abuse is really an attempt to control someone without getting physical. Um, and this can be seen in a lot of different ways, like excessive check-ins or accusations that are not really based in any fact or any prior experience. So this is if, you're, if your partner is checking in on you all the time when you're saying you're out with a friend or something like that, and they are either accusing you maybe that you're not where you're supposed to be, that you're cheating on them, that something, blah, 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 things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are good examples. And really what it is, is this kind of attack on the person uh, about their overall nature of who they are and their um, abilities. So, so they're really attacking to the core who that person is. Um, there's, and there's definitely different types, you know, uh, an attack can be very overt, which is very visible, you know, if somebody's um, having really strong, angry outbursts or uh, name calling, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But it can be very subtle, so hard to uh, detect. Um, right. And that can feel, feel very much like uh, causing the person to feel doubtful. So the partner that's being abused uh, feel doubtful about themselves, um, which that's, um, that's considered what they call gaslighting. And just subtle little remarks that kind of hint at uh, demeaning, you know, demeaning the person. Right, right. Another example of emotional abuse is sometimes people freeze other people out, which basically the technical term would be called stonewalling. And um, stonewalling, uh, the person really is shutting out any, um, any connection, any communication with the person that they're abusing so there's no um there's no show of acknowledging that the person's there um sort of like the you know it's making the person who's talking feel like they're talking to a wall you know and so that's really a serious breakdown in communication altogether when that starts happening if that's something very typical in the relationship so to be clear though this is not when um you're having an argument with your significant other and then the person says, hey, I need to take a step back for a minute. I need to go on a walk or get out of the house for a couple hours or something like that. That's because that's, you're letting that person know and that's actually probably 
a healthier thing to do because sometimes when you recognize that you're in a fight and the better, the best thing to do in that situation is to take a breather, take a moment, not get caught up in the, in the midst of the fight. And, you know, when you could take that step back, sometimes it's really helpful. Right. It allows you to not probably say things that you didn't, that you would have not said otherwise. Right, right. It's actually a very uh, healthy way of dealing, you know, because when we're getting really angry, we get to a point where we might say something that we're going to regret. So uh, the respectful thing to do then is recognize that that's where you're getting to. And who's ever at that point says, you know, I'm getting really upset. I need to take a step away. So I'm going to go for a walk or whatever. We'll let's come back to this at a later time. And sometimes specifying the time is important uh, so that the partner doesn't feel like they're just sort of left with, you know, hanging. Right. And so, so that would be a respectful way of dealing, you know, when, when people are really angry with each other. Exactly. So as long as you kind of let the person know that you're taking a break, that's when it's fine. Otherwise, if you just start right. ignoring the person without any warning and any reason behind it, like the person doesn't expect it at all, that's when right. it's stonewalling. Right. And, and that would be just stones. like walking away or closing, closing yourself in a room or, you know, just leaving without saying anything, that kind of thing. Right. Exactly. And I think another thing to note about emotional abuse, and it starts off very mild at the beginning and maybe a lot more subtle and it'll increase over time. And right. so that's how I think a lot of people get wrapped into it is this person I think starts off really kind and nice and very complimentary. And then eventually we'll start making small comments and slowly getting in there, but you're not used to it and you don't expect that from them because they've been nothing but nice. Right. Before. Right. I mean, that is exactly, you know, um, otherwise, if they were constantly emotionally abusive, nobody would be around them. But mm -hmm. it is a slow, often a slow, subtle buildup. So kind of winning that person over with being really nice and, um, you know, flattering and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then slowly adding in the subtleness, possibly, or a little anger outbursts, whatever. And 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 going from there and then slowly building right exactly and i think people a lot of times too get stuck in this cycle of the victim will eventually kind of catch on that this person is not treating them right and they'll want to leave and they'll express that and then the abuser will all of a sudden you know change their how they're acting and be super nice again and beg the person to stay and um kind of do grand gestures to make that person stay with them and then the victim will eventually then be like oh well maybe they're not so bad and maybe i should right. stay and and it kind of starts that cycle all over again right it's actually called the cycle of abuse mm -hmm. and um and so little by little yeah the the um abuser will escalate their behavior to a point where the victim then is, you know, saying, okay, finally they see this is really, they can't accept this anymore. Um, and there's a big blow up, um, possibly that the victim is trying to leave. But then again, yeah, the, the abuser will come back and will apologize sometimes, or sometimes they'll even act as if nothing actually happened. They'll mm -hmm. like start being nice to the victim all of a sudden and the victim, and that's very confusing. Like the victim thinks, well, 
didn't this happen? You know, didn't this big blow up happen? And the abuser acts as if nothing happened. So then it causes the victim to start doubting themselves as if, you know, what am I, why am I so upset? You know, so that's a, that's a very confusing thing. And that's a form of gaslighting. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it, causes the victim to lose um, their sense of their, you know, being able to judge. Yeah, their own sense of reality. And Mm -hmm. they can, you know, they start questioning themselves. They lose confidence. They lose self-esteem because they're not sure what's really, you know, their impression of what's going on is so completely different than the abuser that they usually turn it in on themselves that, you know, something's wrong with me you know which is why exactly why they end up way? well that's exactly why they end up staying as well and that's why i think a lot of people in an abusive relationship stay is because their confidence has been so right like affected and they don't believe that anyone else will really want to be with them or love them the same way that this person does and i think they they get this mentality and the abuser makes them feel this way that they are like, oh, you, you're so lucky that I'm with you. You're so lucky that anyone even wants to be with you. Like you got to have to almost like take what you can get sort of mentality. Right, right. And a lot of times too, one of the things that abusers will do is they'll be very polite and charming to everybody outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so if the abuse, if the uh, victim, you know, shares maybe with somebody how they're feeling or, you know, that the abuser's um, treating them that way, the person that they tell it to is kind of in disbelief because they see that positive side of the abuser. They're not let into, the abuser makes sure to not let them see that negative side. So a lot of times that can be the very confusing part. And then the victim starts, um, you know, questioning themselves even more you know. Right, exactly. And I think this leads actually really well into the next point that we were going to make, which is where does this abuse come from? Because like you said, it um, it really only happens to the person in the close relationship. It doesn't really get seen by other people. And the reason for that is because the person who is the abuser is actually coming from a, a very insecure place. And right. they... Um, so when you're that insecure, it can sometimes come off. Um, and like we said, like, like I think we've mentioned before, narcissistic people are also very insecure. And these narcissistic people are the ones who on the outside seem very charming. Um, they have a way with talking to people and we're in, you know, making people feel good about themselves at the beginning when it's more the, that surface level. But right. when you really get into a relationship with them and are, really get to know them, this is when all that other insecurity kind of comes out. Right, right. Yeah, and it's really a sign, you know, what it is, uh, the abuser is a sign of their emotional immaturity. Mm-hmm. They really have not learned how to deal with their own emotions. And so they project that onto others and they make others responsible for their own emotion and they're trying to get validation from the outside world so they're very dependent on how others see them and or power and control over a person getting them to do what they want um you know and one thing i just wanted to add in terms of the um what the abuse is you know sometimes people get caught up in specific issue that they're arguing with mm-hmm. and that and the victim will 
try to defend themselves, you know, about this right. particular issue. But the, the conflict is really not the, the issue. Like, for example, maybe how you're parenting, you know, you're having a difference of opinion on parenting. It's more, right. the actual issue is the abuse itself. So it's mm-hmm. the way that the abuser is actually interacting in the conversation. It's not about the actual mm-hmm. thing that they're arguing, arguing about. So Right. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then also I was going to ask, so when we talk about the abuser and we talk about how they're emotionally mature and they're insecure, does that mean that all people who are insecure will be emotionally abusive in their relationships? Somebody who has, um, who's insecure can either be on one end of the spectrum or the other. So Mm -hmm. either they can be the abuser or the abused. So Mm -hmm. Um, if they lack, you know, feeling secure about themselves, they may have a tendency to want to control others so that they feel like they are, you know, they do have security in their relationships. Um, On the other hand, people who are insecure often go with somebody who is more an abuser because they don't value or see their own worth, um, have low self-esteem. And uh, so they allow people to cross their boundaries to treat them in a particular way. That makes sense. In, in that way. Yeah. Right. And so when we talk about where does this come from on the abuser side and the victim side, it really is two sides of the same coin. It's really just this person that has insecurity issues and emotional immaturity issues. And it just happens to, well, whatever happens in their childhood experiences and things like that, that's kind of will determine whether they become the abuser or the abused in the relationship. Exactly. And it often stems from, you know, their, again, primary care, care mm-hmm. caregivers, <laughs> how they were treated. There might have, might have been those two types of people in their, um, you know, in their parents, let's say. And then depending on who they most uh, relate to, they kind of take that path of that particular parent. Right. That makes sense. All right. And so now that we've kind of talked about a lot about what it is and where it comes from, now we're going to transition into how do we either get out of these relationships? How do we, um, either work on these relationships and see if there's something we can do about the emotional abuse in the same relationship, or if we're the abusive person in the relationship, what can we do about that? Uh, Yeah. So uh, some ways that really we want to um, work on to be able to get out of such a relationship is we have to be really good about setting very firm boundaries. So that doesn't necessarily mean yelling back or, you know, getting angry back at them. In fact, the more you can be calm but firm is really the approach. So it's all, it's all in the tone of your voice. It's stating the, the boundary that you're setting, say, I will not continue to engage with you if this is how you're speaking to me until you're speaking to me more respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of having this, this firm firmness. You know, we want to refrain from justifying ourselves. You know, if the partner uh, accuses you of um, engaging in a particular behavior, pointing out certain things about you, you don't want to get into that defensive mode because right. they will always find a way to 
supersede what what you have said. It's really this, um, you know, win lose. They want to well, be the winner. They like, want to be right. It seems like they're when you act defensive, it's almost showing that you're believing what they're saying and you're actually letting it affect you. You're playing their game. Yeah, you're engaging with their mm-hmm. game. So the idea is do not justify, but point out what the abuser is doing mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, what are they, how are they behaving? So, so that would be pointing out the actual, I always say like the dynamic of the, of the conversation. It's not about the actual issue that they're talking about, but how they're talking. So you point out to them, I need you to lower your voice, right? You know, that kind of thing. So you're pointing out into the actual abuse mm-hmm. or, and if, and if they choose not to, you know, if, if they choose not to really honor that, then that's when you say, well, then I'm, I'm no longer continuing in this conversation if you're not going to respect, you know, what I asked of you in right. order to continue. So you end up, you end up ending the conversation. Right. Uh, right. So, so that's setting a clear boundary that you're not going to tolerate how they're talking to you and not participate in that sort of game as you right, said. Right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes to the partner, the abuser will try to divert the attention to some other thing. So they won't actually direct ask that question. In fact, that happens on <laughs> news politics <laughs> all the time. They don't answer right. the question. They True. divert it to something else. <laughs> so True. what you really want to do is as the person who the you know, victim, the victim. Mm-hmm. is you, you don't follow them in where they diverted your attention. Right. You bring it back to what was the original question. So you right. restate the question, you restate the issue that you brought up. Keep it on the topic of the actual conflict that was happening, not on right. getting into right. all the, about you as a person and personal attack. Exactly. Because by, because by doing that, you end up getting in, you know, inflaming the situation. And also you don't even I mean, nothing comes of it. You get into right. this fight that you don't even know how it started that. in the. You don't know how it started in the first place, right. you know. So it's really about re- being very aware of the abuser trying to divert that and uh, and then bringing it back to the actual initial conversation. Right. Exactly. Um, I think it's really important, just in general to know your rights as the victim, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Or in any relationship, just any person. Exactly. In relationship. Exactly. And I uh, often, one of my favorite things to hand out in my therapy sessions is this um, handout that's called the personal bill of rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was um, f- adapted from uh, turning point services and um, at a place that works with domestic violence and that mm-hmm. uh, topic or that um, problem. Mm-hmm. And so basically it, it's a list of all the rights that we have as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, for example, we all have the right to be loved and treated with respect. Um, right. We have the right to not be perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. We have the right to make mistakes. You know, So some of these things, um, and when I hand this out, generally some clients will actually cry because they recognize themselves in it and how Mm -hmm. they they didn't think that they had these rights and it's like such a 
uh, eye-opener to say, oh my gosh, yes, I do. You know, do you want and, to um, touch on a few of the ones that you think are maybe either not known as much or people don't think of? Um, well, like you have the right to your own privacy, your own opinions. You have mm -hmm. the right to express them. You have the right to be taken seriously for them. Mm -hmm. uh, you, have the, you have the right to grow and change your mind. Yeah. You know, if you mm -hmm. thought something one time and, you know, or you were this way one time mm -hmm. and now you've, you know, you've learned more things, you've looked at more things, you see yourself differently, you have a right to change your mind. Right. It's, right. it's not, there's nothing wrong with changing your mind. Um, right. It seems like that could be a big conflict in relationships too, though. And I can see how that can become like a, be a hard one for an emotionally abusive situation because like if that person who is the victim all of a sudden starts growing and becoming this more confident person obviously well, that, that's a big exactly uh, right yeah yeah often that's when uh conflict increases mm -hmm. right. in a relationship and sometimes too if you think about emotional abuse a lot of times as it gets worse and worse will lead to potentially not always, but potentially to physical abuse, mm -hmm. standing your ground and saying, you know, this is how I feel. Sometimes yeah. that, that will potentially put you in danger. So you have to real. So if you're recognizing that the partner is not responding to, to your standing up and the way you're changing in the relationship mm -hmm. and they become more threatening and more intimidating, um, maybe threaten you with some kind of violence. Um, that is a cue to really recognize that it's probably, you know, it's probably time to leave, you yeah. know, that this is not going to lead to, and, and sometimes even with that, <clears throat> It's learning how to not stir the pot, but mm -hmm. coming up with what they call a safety plan. So if you're really in a relationship where you're feeling threatened for your safety, you know, coming up with a plan who, you know, setting aside um, money, potentially um, right. uh, a place to go, an escape plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, without really raising a red flag to that abuser because mm -hmm. it could potentially be your, <clears throat> you know, threaten your safety if you don't, if you continue to push. So it's almost recognizing what it is, minimizing as much as you can the abuse by, uh, re by not interacting as much, you know, keeping your distance, mm -hmm. but also starting to have a plan, you know, when, how, how am I going to remove myself from this situation? Right. And so this, I think, I assume this is, you would set this plan more in place if you noticed that the abuser didn't acknowledge or recognize or um, change their ways at all based on you kind of making that effort on the victim side of like putting exactly. those boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. So you're first trying to set those boundaries in Not place. Exact and see if they're going to take a step back and say, oh, you know, I didn't realize that or, you know, you're Being right, I do, I do, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because they may not be 100% aware of what's right. going on. But if they're truly not accepting any of it or just, again... Refuse to even, like, see your side. Belittling you despite, mm -hmm. yeah, 
then then that's that's your cue right <laughs> that this is not going to change this is you know only going to get worse exactly yeah um so on that note how do we then prevent getting into these emotionally abusive relationships in the first place because obviously it's probably just a lot easier and better to get into a healthy relationship but so in case if you're already in one and an abusive relationship those are some of the like how we can help um get out of one or fix it but we probably more want to strive to not be in one in the first place so what can we do to prevent yeah that? yeah i think well recognizing or and or strengthening your personal boundaries you know if you're somebody that always says yes to people mm-hmm. you know real, realizing that you can say you can say no and kind right. of and learning to put yourself first that that's okay it's not and that is on one, on one of the personal bill of rights you mm-hmm. you are perfectly allowed to put yourself first right and some people may not be happy with that but that's you know we're not going to be liked by everyone and that's okay too that's yeah. not the goal the goal is to be true to yourself to take care of you yeah um so so that's an important thing if you do have low self-esteem low self-confidence or recognize that really trying to work on how do i build that up and part of that is recognizing when people are crossing your boundaries if they're not allowing you to say no to make mistakes sometimes you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um well i think another thing that you can do too is to recognize the signs of it early on in a relationship so that before you get too deep into a relationship, you can recognize it and cut it off before you actually get too far in. Yeah. I really like to tell people to really listen to their gut. Yeah. And I know sometimes that's hard, but I think we've been taught to, you know, not judge people, um, give them a second chance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, those are all good things. However, if you start noticing that you're feeling like you can't be yourself, you know, like you're sort of changing yourself because you have the sense that this person is going to somehow be judgmental of that, that, and that sometimes we can really see that early on, but a lot of times we ignore it. We say, oh, they didn't really mean it. Oh, you know they're just having a bad day and we give excuses and it's Mm -hmm. really about not giving excuses, you know, and recognizing what are you feeling, you know, taking what you're feeling as valid. Your feelings are there for a reason. They're telling you something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're telling you, so it's, it's really utilizing those feelings to discover the root of what's going on. And and if, and that can tell you a lot um, about what, that relationship, how that relationship is. Yeah. And is it, is it being a positive thing in your life or, or negative? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I think the last point that we should touch on is if you are, if you find yourself to be in the shoes of the abuser, um, what can you do about that? How can you work on that? Because we did give a lot of tips and more guidance towards the victim, which is, I think, what that the tendency to focus on in this emotionally emotionally abusive relationship. But if you do find yourself to be the abuser, what can you do about that? Yeah. Well, I think obviously to recognize that, uh, you know, admit that to yourself, (laughs) but really 
you know, if you, if you recognize that, uh, you have to take into consideration, really listen to your partner's requests and mm -hmm. do your best to fulfill those requests and be open to hearing if the partner says, points out, you know, here's, here's an example of what I'm upset about, you know, that you listen to that and you try to do, you try to make changes. Right. Um, don't focus a lot on what you think your partner should change because, and, and this is goes for in, in couples therapy. A lot of times people want to point fingers that that person's doing mm -hmm. this and, you know, but really it's about looking at yourself. Right. What are you doing in the relationship? Mm -hmm. And the more you focus on that, then you're, you are working with what you have the power to change. That is, that is totally under your control. Right. A lot of times when we, an abuser will act in a way to uh, project, they'll project their own feelings onto the other person. So the more they're aware of what is really going on with them feeling wise and being able to acknowledge that to themselves and to the partner, maybe saying, you know, I'm recognizing that I'm really hurt right now right. and scared or whatever that is. And and talking about that versus putting it on the partner, like they need to do something to fix that in mm -hmm. you. That's not the repart the partner's responsibility. That's your the abuser, you know, the person who has it. It's their responsibility. Right. right. Um, I think really understanding communication skills. So you're really aiming for assertive talk, you know, assertive ways of communication. So assertiveness is standing your ground about what you need, right. not letting someone cross that boundary, mm -hmm. and being firm. And if that other person does not respect that, basically having the courage to walk away. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and of course, they're always counseling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of times the people who are abusive tend to not go right. because well, they, or they will go. The yeah, they go a couple times maybe to appease their partner, but they don't go because they don't see it as their problem. Right. And if they start seeing in counseling that it might be them, they don't want to come back because yeah. they don't want to realize that, that it's them. Right, right. Yeah. So often it's really not them that come for counseling. It's the ones that are being abused because they're the ones in pain. The abuser doesn't feel the pain because they are putting everything, all the responsibility on everyone else. It's not yeah. their problem, right, you know? Right. So by that's kind of a natural response. They don't, they don't feel they need to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I hope that helped everyone. <laughs> um, I think that we've covered a lot about this. I think it's definitely a topic that can be talked about for a long time and we probably will do a few more episodes on this either emotional abuse or we'll probably dive into some psychological verbal and maybe into get into that physical abuse side but um it's definitely a big topic and something that affects a lot of people so i think we've covered everything though today so we will talk to you guys next week
Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, as always, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, we're on Apple now, so that would be great. And you can follow us on Instagram. We're at Psyched Convos, and we're on Facebook at Psyched Convos. And if you have any questions or feedback for us, we would love to hear from you. Anything that you have or want to share with us, um, we can be emailed at psychedconvos at gmail.com. All right, talk to you guys next week.